Welcome to episode 97 from The Shed End, as always. Thank you very much for watching or listening, whichever one you're choosing to do. Theo, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad at all. Uh, got back from a sunny holiday on Monday um, to kind of cloudy, um, fairly cold London as well for July. So I feel like I'm about to lose my tan and it hasn't even been three days that I've been back. Um, but yeah, doing good. Stayed up for the first half of the Chelsea game against Wrexham in the US last night. Um, so feeling a bit groggy this morning. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, looking forward to a couple of weeks away. I don't know if I told you, but I did. I think I did tell you actually. I, maybe while my knees still sore, but I did a eight mile walk. Um, yeah, it was a it's a long walk a couple of weeks ago, um, which was good. It's good to get away. Obviously, not much football has been on, so always got to do other things away from football. But luckily, the football is back, as Theo mentioned, uh, Chelsea Wrexham, which we'll talk about later on in the episode. But if you haven't already done so, please go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you go to our Linktree link that's in the description as well. Um, you'll be able to get all our podcast episodes, our social accounts as well, all there to follow and listen back to. But let's start with the transfers, Theo, because it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke. I think Mason Mount was still at the club. Christian Pulisic was still here. Lukaku is still here, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, but we'll talk about him separately. But let's talk about Mason Mount first of of all because um, I think we kind of said on the last episode that if he does go you know no one is bigger than the club etc etc and he seems to have decided he wanted to move one of the new challenges now a Manchester United player what's your what's your thoughts on that initially yeah well, obviously um, when he was still at Chelsea last season I was desperate for him to stay um, now I if I'm completely honest I feel like he's shown his true colours by going to United particularly that video that you know was going around on social media of him with his father Tony um, in the United dressing room kind of putting his hand around his shoulder saying this, is our, this has always been our dream. It's amazing. Um, and also just the way it happened, I didn't really appreciate the fact that like, he pre-recorded that video where he still had the blonde hair, um, which was obviously back from May or June. And that only kind of, he was probably sitting in his drafts waiting for the, the move to happen. And it felt like the tone of his voice just felt a bit numb as well, a bit robotic, almost like he was reading a script. Um, no like kind of throwback picture posted on his social media, just that little pre-recorded video. And even from the Chelsea perspective as well, they posted just a little um, kind of copy of the of the you know, Mason Mount assigned for Manchester United on a permanent deal. Whereas all you look back at Mendy, Kovacic, Kante, Azpilicueta, they all got these one minute long tribute videos. So it felt like from a social media perspective, it's just maybe we kind of weren't really willing to accept that he left or even he left on kind of bad terms potentially. Um, and even you look at um, Kai Havertz, who signed for a rival club, he got that tribute video as well. So um, it is what it is now. Um, like you said, no player is bigger than the club. And I don't really want to wish him the best because he signed for a rival team. So um, it is, it's done now. And I think why don't we just focus on the team we have and the players that want to stay at Chelsea. Yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to. You know, I think he clearly fell out with the owners or previous managers or whatever. But yeah, I mean, look, it's... I've, I think I said on here before, you know, the grass isn't always greener when you go to another club. Um, the expectations of what he's been trying to get to, you know, at Chelsea, it, you know, has been magnified now because, you know, he had the safety net of, you know, the fact he was a Cobham graduate, the fact that the Chelsea fans did at one point, you know, love that he was coming through the ranks and was making himself a, a household name in the starting eleven at Chelsea. So I think to go to United, you know, there's going to be added pressure. The fans aren't 
the Chelsea fans who will allow him to maybe have a couple of stinkers throughout the season back to back and then still back him after that. I think, you know, United fans will want to see a top performing Mason Mount week in, week out. And I don't know if he can do that. So, you know, good good luck to him. He's going to need it. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's moved, like you said, he's moved to a rival. Um, but, you know, I, I think for us, the, you know, the fee I think was a bit, I expected a bit more in terms of the fee, maybe because of, you know, the fact he was on his last year of his contract is why it was, the fee it was. But, uh, you know, I think we speak on here sometimes about, you know, English players moving to other, other clubs, especially other English clubs. You expect, you know, we've just seen Declan Rice go to Arsenal for 105 million. So, I mean, do you, what do you think about the fee? Do you think the fee was, was, was the correct fee in terms of what we sold, we sold him for? Or do you think we should have expected a bit more? I think, like you mentioned, you could maybe expect it close to 75, maybe 80. Um, you look back at Eden Hazard when he went to Madrid, he went for 100 million or over 100 million and he had a year left on his deal. So you add in that kind of going to from one English club to another, it easily kind of uh, it bumps up the price by 10 or 12, uh, 15 million. Um, but I still think it's a very, very good business from our perspective, getting 65 million pounds for a player that wants to leave and a player that's on, on a one year He's got one year left on his deal, so it's good um, business from that perspective. Um, especially, you know, you kind of combine that with all the other fees we got for Havertz, Kovacic, uh, Pulisic, Loftus Cheek. You know, we're close now to that 200 million mark, and I think there's maybe still a couple that will will be sold in the likes of Lukaku, Ziyech, Bamiyang as well. I think it's been linked to Marseille on a free transfer. But no, I think we've done really, really good business, particularly with our kind of outgoings this summer. Um, I know how um, we needed to to, to sell uh, a certain amount of players. Um, in order to um, to uh, um, so yeah, very good business from our perspective, and we sold really well. And uh, like I mentioned, we there's a few more players that can still can still expect to leave and collect some money for. Um, so from that perspective, I think the Mason Mount transfer to United was very good business from Chelsea. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's, we're going to see how it pans out with with Mount. I think you know, obviously, I don't know if you got to see the um, the Frank Lampard, um, Stephen Bartlett podcast as well and he does reference in there that obviously Mason Mount you know he talks about Mason Mount and I think a direct question about Mason Mount is asked to Frank Lampard and you know it's interesting with the response that he gets so I won't spoil it for anyone that hasn't watched or listened to that yet but um, let's move on to another player Christian Pulisic and Ruben Loftus-Cheek let's do two two for one um, both signed I think for AC Milan in the last couple of weeks um, very good bit of business, I think, for for, for Pulisic, who, um, you know, I assume might be one of those players that is still hanging around with Hakim Ziyech and um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is now left to go to Marseille. But just in terms of Christian Pulisic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, what's your thoughts on them leaving? Right choice, good move? Yeah, I mean, Mason Milan's a good move for their careers. Serie A, you look at how it panned out for, for Giroud and Tomori when they went there. Um, they had some really good um, first seasons. Pulisic's obviously a big blow in terms of how the expectations we had when he first joined in our first season under Lampard, and particularly that period um, during COVID. He was sensational, absolutely sensational. And before that kind of injury in the FA Cup final, when he pulled his hamstring um, after he'd just scored as well, um, he was kind of, you know, in the form of his life. And then he kind of came back. We had more competition against Werner, Ziyech, um, Havertz, it, it was trickier for him to kind of break into the team and he was constantly getting injured. He was constantly struggling with his form as well. Um, but I mean, some 
player that scored some very big goals for us. You look back at that goal um, away to Madrid in the Champions League semi-finals. Um, equaliser, I think it was against Liverpool. Um, the solo goal against City. Um, so he's contributed a lot to kind of the success we've had in the last two, three years. Um, but it felt like it was that right time for him to kind of just go somewhere else and play his football, which um, he seems to do so well um, when he's kind of getting the kind of backing of the manager and a consistent game time, um, like we saw at the World Cup of the USA. Um, lost his cheek as well, kind of one of those ones that's been at Chelsea all of his life and never really looked like that same player since recovering from that um, ACL injury that um, he had, um, if he faced in that pre-season, not even pre-season, like mid-season yeah. friendly yeah. before the league. Um, so yeah, um, but when he was kind of called upon, he always did a decent job. Um, another player that I think we could have potentially kept just to have that depth in midfield. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a bit, but I'm looking at our team right now. There's just no kind of bodies in the field. We've only got Enzo as our natural CM, maybe Chukamweka, um, Kaiseido, who we're being linked to, but Bryce Brighton are holding off for 100 million, which seems like ridiculous money. Um, so yeah, or maybe one of those players that we could have maybe done with a keeping, but it looked like he was kind of wanting that move. Um, he's still relatively young as well. So it's that time now in his career that he wants to play in the league abroad. It seems like it's the right time. Um, but yeah, two players for me that we can wish them the best this time and I'm looking forward to watching him in the Champions League with Milan next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Ruben, 100%. You know, I think, um, you know, I've said on here many times before that I think he's one of those players that needs to make a choice whether he wants to be a bit part player at Chelsea, whether he comes in, he plays a, a role at right wing back and clearly Pochettino doesn't have that system in mind in terms of, you know, using the wing backs as, uh, and three centre-backs it's more of a three-two-four-two-three-one uh, formation, which I think he's going to try and adapt for, uh, for this season. But I think Ruben Loftus Cheek was at crossroads, and I think he's made the right choice in going even abroad or even another another team in England. Um, I think he would have made the, the, the perfect choice to go there, so make himself as a first team player. You look at Tomori, who's gone to AC Milan and done that. You know he's done really well there as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I think that league will suit him very well um, in terms of his strengths and what he can bring to, to, to their club as well. Um, sad to see him go. Another, another player that's come again through the ranks and, and obviously uh, worked his way through the youth system and got himself into the senior squad. But I think he'll do well in, in, in Italy. Christian Pulisic, I'll be honest, I'm happy I'm happy to get him off the books. I think he's, his attitude sort of very much like Lukaku, very much like you know, Matteo Kovacic last season. Hakim Ziyech, you know, you, you probably find that they're probably the more disruptive players in the dressing room um, under Graham Potter, under Frank Lampard. Could have potentially been the same for, uh, for Maurizio Potticino. So I'm glad that he's gone. I think his injury record wasn't the best before we signed him. It carried on throughout his time at Chelsea as well. And like you said, he did have some moments where, he, you know, he did give us something to cheer about, you know, the goals that you just mentioned. But I, I do think, Again, another good choice, another good bit of business from us, getting him off the wage bill. We knew we had to do that with FFP, the deadline for the 30th of June as well. So I think very, very good signings for AC Milan and I'm glad we've got them off the books. And like you said, looking forward to seeing where they go next season in Serie A. But I'm going to move on to the other area of the pitch as well. Um, now, I'm going to get this out of the way now because it's the elephant in the room, isn't it really? But... I mean, we are obviously we've signed uh, in Cuckoo. We've brought Nicholas Jackson, who I thought really, which we'll talk about for Wrexham, but I thought played really well yesterday. But and obviously we've left uh, let David Datcher Fafana go on loan again, who scored a brilliant goal yesterday for his loan company, uh, loan club. But we look at the, the the strikers that we 
are looking at now. Obviously, Armando Broyo is going back from a big injury that he picked up last season in preseason. I don't expect to see him maybe till October, November at the full strength, you know, 100% capacity. We are very thin on the ground. You just mentioned midfielders, but more so, I think, in the striker department. Lukaku is still there. He's back at the Cobham. He's, he's back training with the club. But if we do sell him, and I believe Juventus have backed out of the race for him now, so he's literally just a Saudi club that might go for him unless Inter re-enter the negotiations. But if we do end up keeping him, what is our solution? Do do we just make sure that we loan him out somewhere again or do we try and sell him for, for even a cut price just to get him off the books the 300 grand a week wages? Or... And, and can we rely on Nicholas Jackson as well, you know, to, to, to lead the line? I think that there's no chance Lukaku comes back to Chelsea and plays a part for us. Um, last season, you mentioned all those disruptive players um, last year at Chelsea and Lukaku is one of them. He is disruptive. There's there's these kind of rumours that he was negotiating with Juventus a week before the, the final that Inter Milan had against Man City in Istanbul and that really... Uh, pissed off the the Inter Milan ultras who are now kind of, you know, at the training ground chanting bad things about his name and saying that you're not welcome here. You kissed the badge of every club you played for. Um, so yeah, I just, there's, for me, it's, it's a tricky one now because it seems like he's burnt all bridges with all the teams he's, he's played for or kind of was hoping to play for in Juventus. Um, so I think now it's just up to him to, to make a decision on what he wants to do with his future. Um, Saudi um, Arabian leagues seem, could be very appealing to him um, in terms of the money that he's offered potentially, but knowing him and his ego, he thinks he's still got it in Europe um, to, to play a bit longer in Europe. Um, but if I was Chelsea, I would just push him on the plane with a one-way ticket to Riyadh and then just dump him there because we can't really <laughs> um, afford to keep a player like him anymore. Honestly, uh, it's disruptive. He's, uh, I think he's back at Cobham now training yeah, separately yes, um, from the team with, um, with Ziyech, I think. And um, I think even Broja, because yeah. it was a picture of um of Brozier with Ziyech and, uh, and Aubameyang. Um, uh, but yeah, we are fairly thin um, in the kind of striker department. Um, I do, I did like the look of Nicholas Jackson yesterday uh, and Cuckoo as well. Very well taken goal. Um, Brozier um, obviously stayed behind that cob and didn't um, step onto the plane to go to North Carolina. Um, so you expect him to be maybe match fit come like, like you mentioned, come maybe October time. Um, but then I think there's a player that you're really keen on in Ivan Tony, who may become available in January once his band finishes. So it's whether we kind of maybe stay patient for this season or the next six months with the current options we have. And then maybe we, we go for Ivan Tony in January or we stay even more patient. Maybe next summer we look at the market for strikers and we go for someone like an Osserman mm. or, um, I'm not, I'm, dare I say it, Kylian Mbappe. Um, <laughs> there's, still picture, there's still pictures of him with that Chelsea yeah, they, kit as a youngster, are. but... <laughs> But yeah, um, I think it's just, I think if being sensible and kind of wanting players that want to be at Chelsea, we just stick with the options we've got currently. Um, and we might have da um, David Datra Fafana, um, if Union Berlin can really develop him into a player um, and he's kind of back and ready to play next year, that's another option. Um, but yeah, I think Nkuku will be kind of our, our number nine, I reckon. Um, I'm, I'm against that. If I'm honest, I don't want to see, I, I really want to see Nkuku play that sort of 10 role behind the striker and, and, I mean, he played really well yesterday. I thought when he, he you know, he, he done he done what he needed to do in a game against Wrexham. But I think we need someone who's going to be prolific in, in goal. Um, we need someone who, not more so for this season, I think for, you know, the next two or three seasons, we, you know, for me, the objectives this year is to, to get back into the Champions League, maybe win the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup. But I, I want us to get a striker 
and think for next season already. You know, I think we need to to get someone, you know, Osterman, who you just mentioned, or, I mean, Ivan Tony for me, would fit that profile. He loves the league. He, he can take penalties. He's, he's confident in front of goal. Um, he, he's someone that I, you can rely on is going to try and at least get you 15 to 20 a season. That's his, that's his benchmark. Um, now, Nicholas Jackson, for me, has a really good opportunity from now until January to, to prove that he's the one that can lead the line, can play number nine. I think if he can do that, then it solves a problem. If he can't, it gives us an opportunity to, to test Brentford's re- resilience to see if we can actually prize him away from, from, from Brentford, bring him in. But he has, he has to be able to then develop as well. I don't think we just bring Ivan Tony in and he just stays where he is. He has to then go up to another level. He'd be playing hopefully in the Champions League, you know, the big boys, the big leagues. So I think for, for me, if we do bring someone of that caliber, an Ivan Tony who has never really you know played European football, he has to step up as well. So um, I, I mean, I'm content now. I'm happy to, to see Jackson. I, I'd like to see based on what I saw yesterday, um, albeit against the League Two opposition, Wrexham. But uh, to, to see him, you know, given the opportunity, and I think the fact that Fafan has gone on, on, on loan, the fact that Marseille have now signed uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as well on a three-year deal, I think it is. So the fact that we are still thin on the ground tells me that Potichino's got some sort of trust. He's obviously seen something within um, Jackson's time at Villarreal to, 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 to warrant him staying and, and warrant him being in the club. So we'll have to see. But I, I agree with you about Lukaku. I think he, he's got no option now but to leave the club. I don't think the fans would have him back. I think one of the reasons why we got rid of the likes of Kovacic, why we probably got rid of Koulibaly, why we got rid of Mendes, because, and, and obviously Hakim Ziyech will be one of those as well. Because I don't think Pochettino wants anyone at the club that doesn't want to be there or is going to be disruptive. And Lukaku is the, the prime instigator of all of those things. So I think he'll, I think he'll be moved on. I think, I think a club will come in for him, whether that's deadline day or the next couple of you know weeks or so, but someone will come in for Lukaku because he wants to play football. There's obviously international tournaments coming up. He needs to be playing football regularly as well. So I think someone will come in for him. It's just a question of who, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we want players that want to be at Chelsea. Uh, we don't want players that are going to be disruptive in the dressing room. Um, I, I, like I kind of said, I want. I think we'll, we'll, we'll contend with the options we have currently. And I'm looking forward to seeing Nicholas Jackson. Um, I know we've been also linked to Vlahovic, but mm. I think that's maybe um, phased out a little now. And he looks like he's going to sign for PSG, I think. Oh, you, um, you say that. <laughs> you just mentioned ultras before. I don't know if you've got to see what the PSG ultras have said to him as well. They, they, no, I haven't okay, actually. No. They've said they'll, well, they said they'll chop his three fingers off if he, if he joins for PSG. I don't know the, the behind story of that, but I was reading, I think, a couple of days ago that the ultras, very similar to you know, the Juve uh, ultras to, to Lukaku said something similar to, to him as well, to Vlavic, don't join PSG, otherwise it's, uh, you, you'll be a few fingers missing. So there's still scope. I mean, he's still young. I think he's only 22, 23. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against him coming to the club, but like I say, whoever we, we bring in, they've got to have a bit of experience of, you know, banging the ball in the back of the net, 15 to 20 goals a season. To me, that's the benchmark. Mm. You look at Mitrovic as well. I think he's um, refusing to. He wants to go to Saudi, but Fulham won't sell for. I think they said 50 under million. fifty million or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another player that I think could have done a job at Chelsea. Mm. Um, good player, um, but yeah, like I said, I think we're content with our striking options currently. Let's move on to the other side of our our team because 
Um, news broke, I think, two days ago about Wesley Fofana, who will need uh, reconstruction for an ACL injury. So this is a very, if you're thinking of ACL injuries, you know, a tear being down here, but a reconstruction being at the very top. This is probably one of the worst injuries you can get as a as a sportsman, as a as a footballer. Anyway, um, it's it's obviously come at the wrong time, you know. But is there question marks now about Wesley Fofana in terms of his injury record because he's picked up three big injuries already whilst he's been a Chelsea player. You look back to the AC Milan injury, um, injured himself against Brentford in that sort of strange friendly that we had, and then came back in February. And now he's out for the season again. So is there a question mark about his injury records? Is he is he going to be able to come back from this? This is a this is a big injury. It's a huge injury, a really really big blow for us. Going, you know, we're only weeks away now from the start of the season, and we've lost one of our most expensive centre backs, one of our most promising centre backs as well. But yeah, his injury record really isn't great. You look back at when he was at Leicester; I think he missed an entire season um, out of an injury. And it looks like he's going to miss the entire next season with that um, ACL reconstruction, that surgery that he needs to have. Um, so it's a big, big blow. You look at Badger Sheet as well, who's also been um, gone and injured recently. Um, and he's not he's going to miss the start of next season, it's looking likely. Um, but yeah, you can just hope that we kind of just um, stay patient with Fafana and he recovers. But it is worrying in the way that him alongside maybe a Reese James or a Ben Chilwell, their injury records just really, really aren't great. And they're players we really rely on for the big games. And they're probably players that you put in automatically put in a starting lineup given how kind of young and promising they all are um but yeah hopefully um we'll see he plays some kind of part next season maybe around april may um but i really doubt that's going to be the case yeah i think i think from what i was reading uh yesterday i think this is a eight month rehabilitation period and that's you know at best you know we could we could be talking 12 months um if there's any sort of issues along the way so it is it's, it's a shame for him because I think he's you know he's shown that he has got a lot of potential you know I think even with his days at Leicester he showed that he's a, he's a really good centre-back but it does now question for me anyway how how do we manoeuvre in the transfer market do we need to do that you mentioned Moises Caicedo before and obviously one of the players that Brighton are dying to get their hands on is Levi Cowell now I think that's one of the reasons why this deal for Caicedo is taking so long is because they're clearly you know deserve being his team at Brighton a, a, a you know, hoping that they can prize away Cowell, um, Co- yeah, Levi Cowell to to Brighton. But we need to keep him first of all for the other side. You, you got to remember, Thiago Silva is now going to be thirty nine, creeping into the age of forty. We can't rely. I think he's him and Kepper were the only two that weren't subbed on at all in in the game last night. So, um, Chalabar again is another player that was on that list of potentials to move out of the club in the summer what's your thoughts on that? Is it a case of do we keep Trevor Chalabar for another season or do we go out and try and bring in a centre-back that can do the job? We know that he's going to be comfortable. Um, is there enough trust in Trevor Chalabar, I suppose, is the question I'm asking. Do, do you trust him enough to, to, you know, we are one injury away from being very thin on the ground in defender. So do you trust Trevor Chalabar to be able to do that for a, a season consistently? I think given that we're, we'd expect Badger Shield and hopefully Fafana to be back, like you said, in the next, eight, hopefully after eight months, um, I think it's a chance for, for Trevor Chalabert to, to fit in and do a job next season. He's still young, he's still learning, um, but also it does worry me that um, I think it was we were, we've been linked, we were in the market now for a centre-back after the 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 Fafana injury, which seems to indicate that maybe the, the board or the, the manager don't fully trust him. Um, but I definitely think there's a good player there and I think... Um, 
we were very comfortable in the kind of centre-back department until those two injuries and now we're slightly thin. But I think if Colwell stays, um, Thiago Silva, you know, Benjamin Button keeps playing his football and um, Chalaba slots in occasionally. And we also know that um, Pochettino plays with, with two centre-backs with a back four, um, which doesn't really leave, leave you much room for like a third one or kind of mm. rotation at time. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see Chalaba stay. Um, it would be a bit of a kick in the teeth if we were to buy a new centre-back, but also keep Chalaba as well so um hopefully he stays and hopefully he kind of can can do and play those um those odd games when uh Thiago Silva needs a rest yeah and I think one of the things we have to remember obviously we don't have any Champions League football there's no Europa League uh, football to, to consider this season so I think when we talk about the number of games we're potentially going to be playing uh this season it isn't as many as we are used to from you know previous previous seasons so I think Part of me wants to to hope that you know we can keep Thiago Silva fully fit for the season. I think if we lose one of those centre backs, then I've or even two, you know, we've had moments where we've lost. If you remember back to the COVID seasons, we were you know, at one point putting out a team with four subs on the bench. So I think we just need to make sure that our medical team is prepared for all of these things that can potentially happen this season. I do agree with you in terms of Chalabar. I think he's never really been given a fair crack at the whip in terms of being able to, you know prove what he can do and we have seen really good spells with Chalabar my worry is that he's always had someone experienced like Thiago Silva next to him um, I would worry if there was Badia Shil and Chalabar as centre-backs so I think that would kind of make me think well where's the experience in that back line you look at Reese James and Malagusto uh, Kukurea Ben Chilwell there isn't really anyone that I would think is experienced enough in that back line to, to fill me with any confidence but I, I I wouldn't want to see him leave the club either. So I'm on the fence a bit with that one. Um, you mentioned left back, which I think is a very good point to talk about because obviously we have now, at one point we were struggling for left backs. If you remember a couple of seasons ago, we were crying out for left backs. Now we can't get rid of them. But um, Ben Chilwell, Marco Correa, Lewis Hall and Ian Matson are all in that position. Now, caveat in what I've just said before about the, the lack of game time that we'll be having this season. Um, one of those four, you believe, would have to go out on loan, maybe possibly two. Um, which, what would be your ideal preferred choice if you had those four in front of you? Who would you be saying is you're my first choice and who would be the one that you'd possibly want to send out on loan out of those four players? It is a tricky one. It really is a tricky one because I think Ben Chilwell is the kind of guaranteed starter, especially when they're going into those big games. For me, he's the most um, experienced, the most comfortable, the player that's shown um, that he's the most, um, the best um, fit at left back for Chelsea. Um, Marco Carella obviously paid sixty-two million for him, and he hasn't. He's probably had the worst season um, last year. Um, but you, you're not. It's very doubtful that we kind of loan or sell a player that we've invested so much money in. And it looks like he's wanting to stay at Chelsea and fight for his, um, his spot in the starting lineup. Then, which then leaves you with Lewis Hall and Ian Matson, who for me are two really, really good players, very promising, very mature as well for their age. Um, I think I read today that Ian Matson um, is wanted by Nottingham Forest for 15 million. I wouldn't be surprised if Vincent Company and Burnley come knocking again now that they're in the Premier League. Um, they would have had a bit of money to, to spend. But looking at his performance yesterday, he looks, he looks like the, the full package in a way brilliant goals as well which we'll talk about in a bit but I think if I had to loan one it would be actually Lewis Hall he's never had a loan away from the club um, he's a brilliant player and he showed us uh, towards the back end of last season that he can do the job 
But um, I think he would just really benefit from playing every week, maybe for a championship type uh, side, maybe a, a Bournemouth, one of the newly promoted teams like Sheffield, or maybe doing what Ampadu did and maybe just taking a step down and just going to um, to maybe a Leeds or a, a Reading in the championship. Um, but yeah, I think Lewis Hall would be my kind of um, player to be to be learned out purely based because I'd love to see him kind of play every single week. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I, I said that on, a, on another podcast uh, yesterday. But I, I, I did, my, my only thing with Lewis Hall is he can fill in that void in midfield as well. You know, he can play in that midfield. Would I want to see him do that? Poss- possibly not. But if there's a game in the FA Cup, I think we're in the second round of the Carabao Cup as well. We think we start a bit early this season. So there is game time, I think, for Lewis Hall. I just think how much game time is he going to get? Possibly not as much as he needs to to develop. So I agree with you there in terms of sending him on loan. I think another Premier League team. I think he's that good of a player. I think he could, you know, a Luton or someone of that sort of who's just been promoted. Maybe they would want to take a, a gamble at him. But I think he's, I think he's got enough qualities about him to play in a Premier League or, like you say, a top league abroad. Um, I, I hope we keep Ian Matson. I really do. I think he's, I think he's someone that not just for his defensive duties, but he can actually score goals. And we got to see that yesterday. You know, he knows how to be in the right space at the right time, um, take on defenders as well. And I think he's someone that we now need to give that opportunity in in the first team. And if it all, and if that's, if that's at the expense of uh, Marco Correa or Ben Chilwell, then so be it. I think we have to now start thinking about how we're going to take this team forward for the next two or three seasons. And if he's part of that plan, then we have to we have to push aside someone like Marco Correa, albeit for the price, you know, sixty odd million. But we have to start focusing on trying to be a winning team again. I think you know you think back to the days where we were dominant in the Premier League. We haven't done that for so many seasons. So this is our season to build on that and and try and bring it all together for next season. In, in my opinion, anyway. But um, we mentioned Levi Cowell. We sort of mentioned Moises Caicedo. We've mentioned our midfield is poor. Um, you look at the players that have left, you know, um, Dennis Zakharov, who was on loan, but you look at um, N'Golo Kante, Mateo Kovacic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, you could probably throw Mason Mount in there as well. They still talk about Conor Gallagher leaving. Um, I think maybe just, I think the latest is Tottenham are, are interested in Conor Gallagher. So, our midfield isn't the best at the moment. You mentioned Kani Chokomeka. Uh, obviously, Santos has been given a work permit, so he can actually play next season now. But, it just feels very, very light, doesn't it, in terms of trusting those youngsters to play in that role. Um, are you confident we will get Moises Caicedo over the line? It seems like we're willing to put all our eggs in one basket to get to get Caicedo. I don't really feel like there's a plan B as well if we, we were to be priced out of a move for him. Um, maybe the plan B is assessing these youngsters on this preseason tour. Um, the ones you mentioned, I think Angelino, Gabriel Angelino is the, the new one they got signed really quickly and then straight on to the preseason tour. Um Cesare Cassidy, who I thought was fantastic yesterday. Mm, brilliant. Um you do wonder you do wonder if he's going to be loaned out, if he's going to play a part next season. But yeah, it seems like it's it's almost like Caicedo or, or no one. Um I think Romeo Lavia Lavia is the other player that's name's been mentioned a few times. Obviously relegated with Southampton. He'll be um, maybe pushed for a move to a to a Prem team. Um I've mentioned his name a few times, but Jao Polinia, who I think um mm was wanted by West Ham but um, Fulham want I think 40, 45 million or more or not willing to sell him um, Edson Alvarez as well his move to British Dortmund seems to have fell through so he's another option okay. but these are just play- these are just players that that you know their, their names haven't really properly been linked to Chelsea but they're midfield players that are decent um, but yeah it seems like 
the kind of what Pochettino wants is that partnership of um, Enzo and Caicedo in a in midfield for the upcoming season. And I feel like Brighton haven't been our, our you know the best of clubs to negotiate with recently, and there seems to be a bit of hatred between the two at the moment, given how you know we handled um, they handled the the Cucurella kind of. Um, um, signing from Chelsea. I'm saying with Pochettino, obviously we got him and I'm um, not Pochettino, I'm um, Graham Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Graham. Um, and um, so, yeah, um, I think they, they put something, I think on um, something like cryptic on their social media recently, just having a go at Chelsea about something. I need to find it afterwards. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a tough um, round of negotiations. I think we were hoping to have him all wrapped up as a Chelsea player for this preseason tour. And now we're playing Brighton on Sunday and he's still going to be playing for Brighton. Um <laughs> So yeah, um, I think that's kind of our, our plan A, our pl- um, first choices, um, Boises Caicedo. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think at one point we were talking about McAllister possibly coming to the club and I do wonder, can Brighton afford to lose Caicedo and McAllister in the same season? Um, now they do have a really good recruitment uh, strategy in terms of whenever they lose a player, they seem to magic one from somewhere who's just as good or if not better than the, the play they've just sold. So I do wonder if they can do, afford to do that in one window, possibly not. Maybe that's why they're sort of playing hardball in terms of getting Caicedo out the door. But I think at one point it's going to come where we have, a, like you said, we stick with the youth that we've got or we have to go out and just pay a bit extra for, for Caicedo. I think we've left it to that, to that point and we still have to think about the goalkeeper situation. You know, I think Slanina and Kepa are, are going to be fighting it out for that first place. Um, we've spoken about the striker issue. So there's still areas of the team that we need to look at and, and try and recruit before the season starts. And ideally you want your new signings to be in America playing in the summer series. You don't want them to be coming in at the back end of preseason. You want them part of the, the plans to prepare. So I think we've got to try and get this deal done. If not over the weekends when we, we play Brighton, for me, that's a perfect time to try and finalise some some sort of agreement. I think personal terms have already been agreed between player and Chelsea. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think that'll be, the for me, the perfect time to sit down in, around the table and get that done. So um, let's see. Let's see how that pans out. I did read yesterday as well. Um, our average age of players is something like 22. I think Sterling, yeah, I think Sterling, 28. Chilwell, I think 26 or 25, 26, maybe a bit younger. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Benjamin Button in terms of uh, Thiago Silva being, I think he's 38 now, maybe 39 soon. So we do need someone who's going to come in. I know Moises Caicedo, I think, is only 22, 23. So, it does worry me that we we bring in all these young players through, but there isn't really any older experience um, around the, the team. I suppose you look at John Terry, I know he's part of the academy setup, but maybe someone like him just being there to lend a helping hand. And obviously Pochettino's got his own backroom staff who I'm, I'm sure are capable of doing that. But it does worry me that there's a level of youth in the team and not a lot of older, experienced, you know, Champions League winning Premier League winning, um, you know, international World Cup, you know, top, top players, if you know what I mean. I don't mean the quality of them is not good. I mean, just the experiences that they've had during their football career. Do you think that's going to be a concern for, for next season or this season? It is a bit of a concern. I was actually thinking about this when I saw that picture of all the players on the, the plane on their way to the US. They're all very young. Or I don't like using the word inexperienced because they're still professional footballers and they play football. Um, but they, it is a very inexperienced and raw team. Um, I think our longest serving player now that Ampadu and Aspilicueta have left is Kepa. 
So you do look at the Keppers, the Chilwells, the Silvers, and you kind of rely on them for that experience. And maybe you mentioned John Terry being around Cobham to be able to lend a helping hand. But um, I do worry that we've kind of gotten rid of so many of those kind of experienced players. Obviously, a lot of them were disruptors and bad eggs. But sometimes you just need a bit of a player, you know, in his late 20s who's been in those Champions League games, who knows how to do it. And I do think the squad for next season does lack a lot of that. And even Caicedo, as brilliant as he is, he's never played in the Champions League before. He's um, still, I think, last year or the year before his first season in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic player, but I do worry, you know, last year we spoke about lack of leaders. Will we have leaders going into the next season? We've just got rid of our captain. We don't really know who's going to have the armband. Obviously, Silva, fantastic captain when he was at PSG in Brazil. You do wonder now if he's going to be the kind of natural hair to uh, to get the armband. Kepa, another one who really shows signs of leadership last season when he was given the armband. Um, but yeah, for me, that is a big worry, a really big worry. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to agree with you 100%. Um, a, lot, a lot to take in, in terms of transfers. But I want to just get your your views really on, because I don't think we really spoke about Maurizio Potticino as as the new manager of Chelsea. But what's your initial thoughts of him? Obviously, he's had a couple of press conferences now. I think he's had three press conferences as Chelsea manager. First game last night, which we'll touch on shortly. But what's just your first impressions of, is there anything alarming from him or is the things that you like and of the way that you're seeing the team set up and just the way he's speaking as well, just his approach to, to our team? Everything I've seen so far, I've really liked. I really like his demeanour. Um, obviously, he did that first interview. Um, I think it was like 45 minutes long and he posted it on the Chelsea YouTube channel, which I listened to. And I really liked what he had to say about um, kind of wanting players that want to be at Chelsea and want to play for the club. And he's proven that that's, he's done that by getting rid of all those players that don't want to be at Chelsea anymore and kept those who almost seem like they enjoy coming to Cobham and smiling. And that's what he said as well. He doesn't want to get players that come at Cobham who almost feel like it's a chore or a task or kind of like their day-to-day job. He wants players that want to be at Cobham, want to come to training every morning, play for Chelsea, represent the club and the badge. Um, I feel like um, he's done a good job as well, kind of kind of creating that kind of a synergy and chemistry. I think a couple kind of um, re- reports that the atmosphere at Cobham's never been this good in a very long time, which is good to hear. Um, he had that Argentinian barbecue on his first day when he arrived yeah. as well, which was good. Um, obviously, tactically, it's quite hard to judge him after just the Wrexham game. Um, we don't really know if he's got what his natural kind of like starting eleven is going to be, what formation or system he's want, going to want to integrate with this Chelsea team. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think it's promising. Um, I think the main kind of worry, obviously, is getting those players with the experience and the quality that can kind of do the job for Pochettino. But we do have a know he's got a brilliant, brilliant track record of nurturing talent. Um, Diego Morero, um, another player um, we signed from Benfica, who played a part in yesterday's game, who looked quite lively as well. Um, so I think these players are going to be really excited to, to work under Pochettino in the, the seasons ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think he's... Um... He gives me some sort of belief that there's going to be a good season ahead. And uh, I think when, and not to say that previous managers haven't done that, but when you, I think I said about Potter a lot of the time, you know, when, when Graham Potter was in charge, that he talks very well, but I didn't believe what he was saying. And I'll be honest, Frank Lampard might be the same in some aspects. You know, he's got everything about him, but I just think tactically on the pitch, it's just not what we needed. So I think... Um, I'm happy with Potticino so far. Like you said, it's one game against League Two Wrexham in a preseason friendly, so we can't really get carried away from that. But there was a, there was a lot that I liked in terms of the game, um, the movement of the players, the quickness of passing the ball, looking for that space, things that is very basic in that level of football, but we just hadn't seen it. You know, the amount of chances we've created, the goals we were taking, it was just almost look watching Chelsea of, you know, 
2019, not 2009, you know, even further back. So it just seems like we were back to where we needed to be. Obviously, it's a preseason game, so I don't want to get carried away. But what was what was your thoughts on on the five nil against Wrexham, uh, Florida Cup? I think it was called. Um, what, what was your overall assessment of, of the game? Yeah, so I stayed up for the first half, um, which I'm slightly regressing today. We're <laughs> giving my, my work schedule, um, but no, it was really promising. Like you said, um, I was really impressed with Nicholas Jackson, his hold up play to assist um, both the Ian Matson goals and obviously the goal scorer of those first two goals. Ian Matson was fantastic. I thought the way he took that second goal was brilliant. Um, and Cuckoo got his goal um, mm. really good, rounding the keeper and then finishing from what was quite a tight angle as well Um, but I think what really like you mentioned is how quickly we were playing how ruthless we were I can guarantee you if that that was the same Chelsea team from last last pre-season no way we're winning 5-0 even though it's Wrexham I think we'd probably maybe win 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that but we'd have struggled so it feels like these players are really you know they've got energy about them Uh, really really liked Cesare Cassidy I thought he was brilliant the way he was driving the ball up the pitch dribbling past players Um, Diego Moreira I mentioned him earlier as well I think for the one of the goals, the way he gets past one of the players, um, really um, looks like he he's enjoying his football as well. Um, so yeah, I don't want to get carried away. You know, like you say, it's League Two opposition, but really bright and promising performance, and it kind of gives you that kind of excitement now for the the test against Brighton on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I think you know it kind of sets the the pace of what I expect for the rest of. Um, rest of preseason, you know, I think there's some, as you said, you know, we've got Brighton, um, Newcastle, Fulham, and Borussia Dortmund as our, as our uh, preseason friendlies. But th- I mean, th- those will be a, b- a bigger test, obviously, you know, especially when you get to the Borussia Dortmund game, um, the 2nd of August, which I think is not too long before the, the season kicks off. You'd expect players to be match ready, you know, the fitness levels to be where they need to be to, to kick off the season. But I was impressed with all the players you mentioned, you know, I think, um, there were still some things in there that you can cr- criticise, but you know when you've had a, a summer off and you, you're coming back to a first game, um, I thought Raheem Sterling looked a bit off the pace a little bit. I think he had a really good chance, a, a, almost a free header, uh, back post. He, he just needs to place the ball into the back of the net, but our goalkeeper was slightly puts him off. But I was impressed with all the new players that you know we haven't really got to see much of. Um, Alfie Gilchrist, I think, came on at one point and. It was just good to see a lot of that integration from some of the youth players, the players that we've already had there, the Conor Gallagher's and, um, yeah, you know, Trevor Chalabar, I think at one point had a captain, uh, captain's armband, uh, I think Chilwell as well. I think Kukurea got subbed on and subbed off, uh, which I don't think I've ever seen in a, in a, a apart from a charity game. But, um, yeah, I was impressed. I was impressed with the game. Nicholas Jackson as well, like I said at the very start of this, you know, he needs to test whether he's going to be able to be, you know, capable of doing that week in, week out, you know, cold night in Luton on a Tuesday. Um, is he going to be able to do that, you know, against the likes of Man City as well? So I think it'd be interesting to see how some of these players develop now over the next couple of weeks uh, through preseason and then obviously when the season kicks off. But positives, I mean, we dominate possession, shots on target, you know, passes. I think we doubled better than Wrexham. So, you can only take positives from that at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, I'm using this word a lot, but it is it's exciting. It is exciting. The manager, the the quality of these youth players. Um, but I still feel like we lack that bit of experience, especially in midfield or as our kind of our striker or target man as a number nine. Um, but big tests now, um, kind of for the upcoming games against uh, those three Premier League oppositions and Borussia Dortmund. I just looked at my calendar. We're only, I think, three weeks away from Chelsea-Liverpool 
on yeah, the yeah, opening yeah. day of the season. So it's good that these kind of signs of you know playing well are there now because last week you want this you know have a repeat of last season where the players clearly weren't ready for the start of the season. Mm. Um, so yeah, very exciting. Before we wrap up, one of the lovely things about yesterday's game was to see the kit actually being played in, um, which I've I was always on the fence with it because I, I I didn't like the the crest being sort of shiny. I didn't like that, but seeing it on the players. I actually like it now. I, I like I like the no sponsor. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to be we're still in talks with with um, trying to secure sponsorship for for the season. But I like it how it is. I'd love it to just stay clean, very sort of retro. Um, but what was your thoughts seeing the kit? I know I think it comes out in a couple of weeks, uh, middle of August. I think it comes out, but surely we should not be looking at getting a sponsor and just keeping it lovely and clean and, and retro for the season. It's really nice. I agree. Um, I was a bit. Um on the fence at first when I saw the leaks, the, the leaked images and the, the shiny crest, I was a bit 50-50 over it. But when I saw it on the players yesterday, it's nice. I really like, yeah. I like the gold badge. I like the gold Nike tick. I like the yeah. kind of shade of blue as well. The kind of white, um, um, kind of like throwback to the 97-98 kit. Um, I look good on the players as well. Um, I like to see it in person in the mega store. Um, mm. But you just know somehow that a few of them without this, uh, the kit sponsor maybe knocking around on eBay for a couple thousand pounds. You wouldn't be surprised that people would really pay that money for like such a nice kit without the shirt sponsor. But fingers crossed now, whichever kit sponsor we get does a kit like that justice. Doesn't um, ruin it. Doesn't ruin it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that would be my kind of big decision, um, driving decision if to the, to purchase it or not. Yeah. I mean, look nice. It look good. And obviously if anyone hasn't check out all the, the, uh, training, training wear as well, that's all on the mega store now that's available. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm either way, I think I'm going to buy it. I think it's one of those kits that unless it's something, I don't know, ridiculous, like a stupid sponsor that I just don't agree with. Um, then yeah, I wouldn't buy it, but I think it's, it's got me, it's got my money already. Uh, um, you may, you may be happy this time if we get an ugly sponsor that it comes off in the, in the wash. The... Yeah. Do you know, <laughs> I've literally was looking at my kits and there's not many now where they're in pristine condition. Um, my black one. Yeah. My black ones. Yeah. It's peeling off there. Yeah. <laughs> my black one's literally not even wearable anymore. I'm scared to wear it. So it's like been put away. Uh, which is one of my favorites. If you go back mm. to one of our episodes, I think we speak about our favorite kits, but um, yeah, all the official online store has got all the training gear for, uh, for this season as well. Um, so go and check that out if you haven't done so already before we wrap up as well. Um, Amari Hutchinson, just as we've recorded has agreed to go to Ipswich on loan. So good, good loan deal for him. Yeah, um, he looked like when he did play, I think he played that League Cup game against City last year. He still looked a bit raw. He still needed a bit of game time. Um, so hopefully he finds his feet in the championship. And we always say that before breaking into the Chelsea team, uh, a championship load is, is kind of needed. Um, but a very exciting player and we'll be keeping an eye out on him um, next year in uh, at Ipswich. Yep, 100%. 100%. So... As I said, we're going to be doing these regular now. We're back. We're back to business. I say regular, but I don't think I'm around next Friday, so we might not be as regular as we want to be. But we will be going forward from now. It'll be regular. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the notification bell. Make sure you hit that link tree link in the description as well. Make sure you don't miss an episode. And if you're new to the channel, there's plenty of episodes for you to get into. Uh, plenty of videos to watch as well. So we'll be we'll be um, hopefully a lot more. Um, what's the word enthusiastic than we were last season um, it was a bit of a painful season for us to, to talk about 
Chelsea last season. But Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining in. Um, it's always a pleasure. Good to have these. We, we call them therapy sessions. I'm still going to call them therapy sessions this season, regardless of wins or losses. But we'll be back very soon with another episode. Thank you very much for watching or listening to episode 97.